Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. All right, here we go. Flyers Daily edition for Saturday, February 12th. Flyers are back in action today, probably just a couple hours from now from when you're hearing this, as they will take on the Detroit Red Wings, the second of a home-and-home, and the first of back-to-back road games. They'll be in Pittsburgh on Tuesday, then an eight-game homestand to round out the month of February and kick off the month of March, four in Feb, four in March. But it's the Detroit Red Wings today. Flyers looking to avenge that 6-3 loss against the Red Wings at Wells Fargo Center the other night. Now, big news came out yesterday as General Manager Chuck Fletcher addressed the media. Had a, a bit of an impromptu media session, if you will. We'll give that to you coming up in this episode. But really, the big piece of news that came out of it was the fact that Sean Couturier uh, had a procedure done yesterday, a surgery, and had a successful back surgery yesterday morning at Pennsylvania Hospital by Dr. John Yoon, and he will be out for the remainder of the season. Chuck Fletcher, and again, you'll hear from him coming up, uh, said that this is a, a situation where the surgery should fix the issue and that it's a three-month recovery timetable and that Sean Couturier uh, will be ready for a pretty much regular offseason of preparation for the 2022-2023 season. Now, it brings up a lot of questions, obviously. Why didn't he have the surgery earlier? Chuck talked about that as well. You try and avoid the surgery if you can by using other rehabilitative techniques and processes. And when they don't work, you do reach eventually reach that line of going, okay, we either got to make a decision on the surgery now because those techniques haven't worked. And if we don't get there just yet, then now we're risking the player not being ready for the following season. With this season uh, being one where the Flyers are not going to be a playoff team, they're not pushing for the playoffs, all of those things, it makes it easier to make that decision sooner, which I'm sure went into it and probably will go into the equation when it comes to Ryan Ellis as well. But he's now been shut down. Um, He was off to a good start to this season before the injury crept in. He had 12 points in his first 10 games. But there is a lot, a lot of, you know, fans right now being very disappointed. And in their disappointment, kind of the hot takes are coming. You should have traded him after the Selkie year. You should have traded him and not signed him to this new contract. This contract looks awful. Now, players can come back from surgeries. What they can accomplish in these surgeries is phenomenal. Is it good that he's having back surgery? Oh, no, of course not. And a back is is one of those areas that is very scary, and I understand that. I think people are forgetting the player that Sean Couturier has been. And, you know, people tweeting me and saying, he's not a number one center on a cup-winning team. Well, there's cup-winning, there's number one centers all over the league on teams that aren't cup-winning teams. Look at Connor McDavid. He is a great player, a number one center, but his team's not going to make the playoffs. They just terminated their coach yesterday in Dave Tippett. You look all over the league. This sport is about building a team, and Sean Couturier would be a big part of any team that were to go on and be a bona fide playoff team to have success in the postseason. He's played 780 games, or 700, he's played 721 NHL games. He's got 460 points, and really, since the 2017-18 season uh, through basically last season, just a little bit less than a point-per-game player. 
82 games in 17-18, he had 76 points. 80 games in 18-19, 76 points. In 69 games in the 1920 season, 59 points. And in uh, the 2021 season, he had 41 points in 45 games. 29 games this season, he had 17 points. And you could clearly see that he was not right very early on in the season that something was bothering him. Eventually, they shut him down. And obviously, now he's going to be lost for the season. But this notion that all of a sudden, Sean Couturier is going to be a player that can't contribute and he's in massive decline, that's, I get it's disappointment that is kind of clouding people's judgment, but let's see what he is next year. He's a guy that plays the game at an incredibly high hockey IQ level. He won a Selkie in the 1920 season, and people are saying they should have traded him after that. If you trade your best player after winning a Selkie trophy, the team would have got murdered if had they done that. This is all Monday morning quarterbacking. I get it. But let's have a little bit of perspective here when it comes to Sean Couturier. Whether you believe he's a number one center or a number two center, that's fine. I had one guy tell me he was a number three center, which I think is ludicrous. And eventually I had to tell that guy, I can't have a conversation with you anymore. If you think that Sean Couturier is a number three center, then I don't know what to tell you. Point per game, just about point per game centers that can shut down the opposition in a sport that's cumulative. Again, the goals go up on the board that you score and the the goals go up on the board that they score. Preventing a goal is just as important as in, as scoring a goal. But maybe everybody's just twisted right now because of how this season's gone and the fact that he is out. We are going to get to some Twitter questions before we get to Chuck Fletcher and his media availability. So let's start with Shane Rowan tweeted in and said, are we going to be talking about a playoff team this time next year? Because that's what it seems like the front office wants. And what's our take on the lack of fans in attendance? Well, first of all, I don't know if we're going to be talking about a playoff team next year. That's impossible for me to answer. And the notion that that's what the front office wants. Of course the front office wants that, but they have to build this back in a prudent manner. Yeah, of course you want to make the playoffs. You want to be a better team. But is that, I always say, don't judge by what they say. Judge by what they do. As far as the take on the lack of fans in attendance, the team's not been good. This is now back-to-back years that they haven't been good. And there's a suffering effect from that. Flyer Lama tweets in and says, Jason, is it time for a new approach or maybe hiring a new group of medical staff? Why are players not getting healthy and staying healthy once they are hurt? Look, I don't know. I'm not a medical guy. I don't know a ton about it. I know that their doctors are from the University of Pennsylvania. As far as I know, they're really good doctors. But is this an effect of, you know, playing so many games in condensed periods of time? I don't know. I really don't. I can't answer that, Flyer Lama. I don't, I'm not educated enough to answer that, Um, but they've been hit with an injury bug, and its players have come back and gone back out. Couturier did not. He actually got, you know, put on the injured list and then just wasn't able to get healthy again. So, but you look at Kevin Hayes, he had a core surgery and then had to go back in and have it cleaned up, and he had a reoccurrence of that core injury right before training camp, but, you know, I'm not educated enough to answer that, so I I can't speak to it. I think sometimes you got to Admit what you don't know, and when it comes to medical stuff, I'm not versed in that field. 
Jerry D tweets in and says, is there a player either by free agency or trade that you would like Chuck to go after that would become a core player for years to come? If it's via trade, who are you giving up to get that piece? Now, this has been a kind of a frequent question. Free agency is interesting. Obviously, you look at names like Tomas Hurdle. Apparently, he is working with the Sharks to extend there as a center, six foot two, 215-pound centerman. And we saw Hurdle. He scored the hat trick against the Flyers. He's a good player. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau is left winger, obviously a high-end talent, uh, going to cost a lot of money in free agency. And then you look at some of the other pieces. Hampus Lindholm is available, a left-side defenseman. Uh, as of now, he's available. We'll see if Anaheim decides to extend his contract. They just hired a new general manager in Pat Verbeek, who kind of studied at the knee of Steve Eiserman. So we don't know if those players will get to free agency, first and foremost. And then... As far as trade, you just don't know who's available right now. I think the term that's been thrown around a lot, both by Danny Briere and Chuck Fletcher, and we did a lot on it in yesterday's episode, was the fact that they need high-end talent. Uh, we just don't know what high-end talent's going to be available. You won't know that until after the season. It depends on how teams finish up and how they do in the playoffs. Like I've used, obviously, Toronto as an example. If they get knocked out in the first round again, they have to make some kind of fundamental big shakeup there. They need D. I mean, is that where you include a guy, a Proveroff or a Sanheim, uh, a forward, and a draft pick to get Mitch Marner? That would obviously be a core player. And he also obviously checks the box of high-end talent. So we don't know who's available, who will be available. So it's a tough question to answer at this point. But he, he's obviously a player that would, would fit that bill. But again, if Toronto goes on a run, they go to a conference final or a cup final or whatever, then he's probably not available. So we don't know that at this point. It kind of leads me to Eric Bowman's question where he says, who are your top five centers of high-end talent that the Flyers should look to target this summer in a blockbuster deal? Again, there's there's a few guys out there. But, you know, when you look at top centers, if they're under contract and unless they're not the face of the organization, they're not going to be available in a blockbuster deal. So – at the offseason, we can answer those questions, Eric, but I don't know that we're equipped with the knowledge we have here on the 12th of February to answer those questions. Logan G tweets in, he says, how long do the Flyers have to try and turn this season into something better before they become deadline sellers? I don't want to lose G, but he deserves better if nothing can be done. I don't know about you, Logan, but I, if I look at the standings, they're already there. They're going to be sellers. We're just not close enough to the deadline for those deals to happen yet. So they're not going to make the playoffs. It's not impossible. They're still mathematically alive, but they're mathematically insanely improbable too. So if Giroux decides he's going to waive his no-move clause, he will get dealt at the deadline, and they'll get a nice return for him. Uh, but as far as turning this season into something better before they become deadline sellers, we're already there. PJ tweets in and says, as the Flyers look for more physicality and to develop younger talent, how do you see the role of McEwen, Ratcliffe, Bunneman, and company line uh, evolving over the rest of the season? Lots of ice time, energy, and of course, some productivity on Wednesday. Yeah, that line played well together. I mean, obviously, Ratcliffe got his first goal. McEwen, first guy in on the forecheck on a ton of occasions because he can skate well. He can move and get up the ice, and he plays a very straight line game. Um, I think, you know, when you look at Bunneman, he's had several opportunities. And, I mean, at this point, I think he's a, a fourth line or AHL player. That's probably where he is. 
but you look at Ratcliffe. I'd like to see more of Ratcliffe throughout the remainder of this season. He's a big body, and he can bring physicality. And obviously, McEwen doesn't shy away from any of that. So, I mean, as a fourth line, you're not going to see them play 19 minutes a game, but they're going to play that role. Was the Coots' back surgery kind of something you expected and as a sole progressor, or did it come as a surprise? Well, this wasn't an issue that was bothering him coming into this year. And, uh, you know, I think he started having issues, uh, you know, in the fall and tried to battle through. Uh, we tried to treat things non-surgically, um, a couple epidurals to be exact, and trying to resolve the issue that was there. And and ultimately, you know, you try to do your, your best to avoid back surgery if you can, uh, but ultimately, you know, the doctor and, and Sean felt confident that the best way to resolve this going forward would be to have this surgical intervention. And it was successful today. Um, it's about a three-month uh, return to play, which will we'll take him out of this season. But uh, fortunately for him and for us, we'll give him a chance to have a normal summer of training and come back healthy for the 22-23 season. Do you expect them to be 100% yeah. training camp? Yeah, the doctor's confident on that, so. Update on Ryan Ellis and see if looking like he's headed for surgery, or can you guys avoid that? Yeah, that's what we've been trying to do. Again, um, if Ryan does have surgery, that you know whether it was two months ago or or now, it'll knock him out for the season. So we've been trying to again avoid surgery and look at uh, different ways of rehabbing and, and and treatment to allow him to play. We're starting to get to a point in in the year though where. Um, Obviously, his health is, is first and foremost, and the second issue would be making sure he's ready for next year. So uh, we're, we're getting close to that point. I just spoke with Ryan about 20 minutes ago, and he's worked hard. He's done everything he can, and, and uh, we'll see where we're at. But in the next few weeks, we'll have to make a decision. We see uh, Kevin Hayes skating pretty much daily, working to get back. Is there a level of concern, though, with you know, a couple core surgeries and kind of ongoing issues as to you know, bringing him back too soon? I, I don't know about bringing them back too soon. It's been certainly um, a lot going on in that area for him, uh, the core muscle, the groins, everything. Um, you know, I think with Kevin, I would say it's 50-50 that he can come back and play. Um, you, know, you know, he also may need some additional work done um, to get him ready for next year. So, you know, we're doing what we can. He's seen different uh, specialists. So I feel we have a good grasp on where we're at. And it's just going to, we're going to have to see how he responds to the treatment and the skating that he's doing now. But again, the, the focus for all these guys, Hey, what's, what's in their best long-term interest in terms of their health and two or B, I should say, can, you know, can we get them ready for the 22, 23 season? When you say Hayes may need something else, do you mean surgery? Or yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the shoulder surgery that he had, I, I don't think he'd be a candidate to play this year. Uh, the good news is, as you've seen, he's skating every day. Uh, rehab's going well. They're, everything's trending the right way. I don't know that we'll be in a position to get him back to play games this year. But again, it's uh, he's working on skating right now, going to be able to work on, on his uh, lower body strength. Um, and then as his shoulder continues to progress, he'll be able to work on the upper body. So we're, we're very confident he'll be good to go for next year. And, and uh, we're just trying to take advantage of the time that we have to, to, uh, to, to work on some areas that all young players need to work on. Coming into this year, 
converted uh, Ryan uh, Fitzgerald's contract with an AHL to an NHL deal. Ryan hasn't been able to play at all. Do you expect him potentially to lose play for them? Yeah, we're we're hopeful. Uh, I don't know if I want to speak out of turn, but Tanner Lazinski, I believe, will be able to return to play uh, a week today, um, and another week is the goal. It could be off a day or two, and and Ryan would be another week or two after that. So they're both uh, have made tremendous progress. Uh, Lazinski skating every day, um, uh, skating hard, working on conditioning, and and uh, Ryan is again a couple weeks behind them, but we expect both to be able to play and, and uh, they put a lot of time and effort in. So I'm excited for both of them to get playing as well as Lappy. Over the uh, all-star break, um, Tim Morgan Frost and Cam York to the Phantoms, along with uh, obviously Isaac Ratcliffe is back up here. What are you looking to see from Cam and from Morgan to show that they're ready for that next year? You know, it's uh, to me, it's really, um, the idea really isn't to rush to get them back up here. It's just to allow them to continue to, to play and play in all situations and develop. And, um, you know, if that's up here, that's fine if it's down there. But, you know, right now it's just about development with them where um, these guys are very important parts of our future. And and so it's, to me, it's, again, ice time role and opportunity to get puck touches. So we feel, that, um, you know, Lehigh Valley is the best place for them to, to achieve that. It's a tough league to develop, and I thought Morgan was getting better and better, um, showing signs. And I, th I think with Cam, I thought he played well. Um, there was times he played a top four role, and there was times he played a third pairing role. And and once his minutes dropped a bit, um, I, that sort of, I, I guess, pushed me a little bit to consider the Lehigh Valley option. So for me, it's just about playing and getting a lot of reps and. We're not in a rush. He, he's 21 years old, um, Cam, and he's a really good player. I think he showed everybody what he can do in terms of retrievals and puck movement, his ability to play on the power play. He's not the biggest body, but he defends well, particularly for his size. So I think he has all the attributes to be a longtime NHL player. And I just think there, there's a lot of times we, we rush these kids and we don't give them a, a chance to fully develop. Chuck, you mentioned Sean being 100% next season. Did the doctors foresee this being maybe an issue that could linger into the later years of his career? Like I know the back's kind of a funny thing. Uh, not at all. That's why the surgery, again, there was things we looked at non-surgically that may have helped short-term, but there were some concerns about long-term. So the procedure he had today, uh, you know, to the best of everybody's knowledge at this point should resolve the issue. Getting back, getting back to those questions about Cam and Morgan, Mike said the other day, he's not quitting on the season, but does there come a point when you say we have to start maybe taking a more serious look at some of the young guys coming up? Well, we have been, you know, really, I mean, um, right now we, you know, we don't, we're only carrying 12 healthy forwards and uh, Isaac's here and Max Willman and Bunneman and Mayhew and um, other players have had a look at various times. So out of necessity, you know, a lot of players have had that opportunity. And, you know, I think, um, the most important thing is to the extent you have enough bodies is to do what's right for them uh, for their long-term development. So, um, you know, I, I think you'll see various players probably get some games up here to, to have that opportunity, but playing in Lehigh Valley, Lappy, uh, that team had a tough start. Uh, didn't win a lot of games the first two months. I think from December one on, we've had very few regulation losses. Uh, they're playing hard. They're playing the right way. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a great, 
uh, learning and, and winning environment down there right now, which I think is really beneficial for these kids long-term too. Chuck, can you talk about Danny Greer and what do you think is going to be his most important role or are there a couple of different ones that are equal? Yeah, I'm very excited about Danny. And, you know, Danny's been involved with this really since the 1920 season. Um, with that 2020 draft, he spent a lot of time with Brent uh, watching video on the, on the top kids. And the year we took uh, uh, Tyson Forster, uh, you know, and, and he, I think he's been in every meeting we've had since that season, uh, whether it's uh, free agency, trade deadline, draft, end of the season, strategic meetings. He's been involved in every meeting. He's been involved in, uh, with our player development staff. He even spent a few games on the bench with, with Lappy in, uh, in Lehigh this year when we, we lost some coaches to COVID. So, so Danny's been really involved. Uh, you know, he had, um, in terms of the timing, I, I think it's worked out really well for, for Danny. Like he's, he's obviously the president and governor in Maine. Uh, up until I think last summer, he was also taking an executive uh, business program at Wharton. So I think the timing's really worked out well for him to transition into a full-time role with us. And I think interviewing with the Canadians really, I think, showed him that this is something he really wants to pursue and, and, and jump into. So, so I think the timing's great for him, for us. Um, you know, I know speaking with Brent, uh, Brent's already got him scheduled out. He, he was on the road last weekend. He's on the road this weekend. Uh, he'll be focusing probably on the pro side through the trade deadline. After the trade deadline, he'll focus on, on the first round of the draft and uh, he'll sit in on all the meetings and then going forward, we'll get him more involved in everything that we do. Uh, and, uh, but he's, you know, I, you know, Brent and I had this experience with uh, Andrew Burnett in, in Minnesota at the end of his career, we brought him in and Andrew did uh, player development. He spent time with the farm team. He did pro scouting. He ended up coaching a little bit with, with Mike Yo. And uh, as he kind of determined his career uh, path and what he wanted to pursue. And now obviously he's a head coach in Florida, but uh, I kind of see a similar type of path for, for Danny. He's going to have a bright future in this game and, and he has to see what areas he likes and, and, uh, but he's got a tremendous knowledge of the game. He knows players. Um, so I think he, you know, I think this is a great opportunity for us and for him. Chuck, if I can go back to Ryan Ellis for a second. He's a real accomplished guy, a real motivated player. Can you sense just how frustrated he's been with this year, coming to a new team and just being only, only able to play four games? Yeah, it's been terrible for him. I mean, he's, we go on the road, he stays behind. He, he comes in early to get his rehab done. So you don't even feel like you're a part of the team. So I know, I know there's been a lot of frustration from, from Ryan and what's ailing him this year hasn't, you know, ailed him before. So it, it, it's hard to know how these things happen, but, you know, he's dealing with it the best he can. And again, at this point, really our focus is on next year and uh, trying to do what's best for him and for our club going forward. When it comes to Kevin, I know you mentioned that there may be a need for surgery. Is it similar to a pre situation where you're going to try to intervene non-surgically as much as possible? Is there a deciding factor in whether he will go forward with that route? Yeah, I think that's what the doctors and Kevin are speaking about. And, and uh, you know, if he can come back and play and, feel good and, and not do any further damage. And um, that's great. But if there's, if it's not healing and, and uh, to the extent we need it to be, you know, to the, to the level we need it to be, uh, then we'll have to look at additional surgeries. So it's still, it's still a little bit up in the air, but um, I think everyone's realistic about the situation. You had, you had mentioned when we last talked about the need to aggressively tool, but also knowing that 
when Jerry comes back and Ellis comes back into a better team. So the fact that you don't think they're coming back this season, how does that change that if at all? Well, you know, again, it, it's uh, Ryan only played four games for us. Uh, you know, I thought three of those four games, uh, Provorov and he and Provorov played really well. The other game of that was okay, uh, but it, it looked like they had the ability to have good chemistry. And 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 obviously, he's an all all situation player. He plays power play, penalty kill. He plays when you're late in a game, when you're up a goal, uh, late in a game when you're down a goal. So there, you know, he's he's an impactful player when healthy and, and playing to his abilities. So, um, you know, again, we'll have to use uh, the limited viewings that we had of he and Provi to, to kind of, uh, I guess, sort of um, guide us for what we think uh, they can bring next year, but makes it a little bit more challenging. Obviously we're very familiar with Coots and Kevin Hayes. So I, I don't think it changes things too much. We're right now, this is, um, it's been an extremely difficult season, but right now there's opportunity for the players that are here to show what they can do. Uh, there's, I think, great opportunity for our organization to to uh, look at ways to improve, um, whether it's a trade deadline or this summer uh, going into next year. So we have to take advantage of these opportunities, whether it's the players that are getting them or, or the management and coaching staff uh, looking to find ways to get better for next year. So. Um, it's all looking forward now and, and how do we get better? And, and there's going to be opportunities for not just the players, but for our group to do that as well. Two questions. First, can you talk about the expansion of the athletics department? You know, it's been going you know, league-wide. It seems like analytics departments are getting bigger and bigger. You know, we smoke a little bit more about the table. But I'm just curious as to, you know, the two, two new people you've added and just adding to that department as a whole. Yeah, it's, it, it's, actually really exciting. Um, you know, Ian Anderson heads up our analytics side and Ian and Jake have been here a while. We added Matt a couple seasons ago um, on the uh, analyst side and they've been doing great work, but you know, we're now getting uh, sort of this massive uh, data dump uh, from the NHL and there's going to be incredible opportunities for teams to try to figure out how to manipulate and best utilize the data that we're going to have. And um, so, I mean, we're trying to, to get ahead of it. And uh, Katie and Cole are two uh, tremendous hires. Ian did a great job uh, going through the process. We had hundreds of applications and, and these two um, young people are, again, we're, we're very fortunate to, to hire them. Both Katie and Cole are technically very skilled, uh, but they also have experience within the hockey industry. I mean, Katie's been part of the UMass program that just won a national championship. She's getting her second master's. She's worked for the Boston Bruins and she's a young woman. So, I mean, her, her work ethic is off the charts and, and to, to kind of have basically talk about multitasking. I mean, she's, she's got all these things on the go. She comes very highly recommended from Greg Carville and at UMass as well as the Boston Bruins. And we're excited to get her in here in the spring after the UMass season's done. And Cole's a former goalie, played junior hockey, uh, played at Amherst College. Uh, he's done a lot of um, work in the public domain uh, in terms of goaltending uh, tracking and, and, and projects of that nature. Um, so we're very excited to bring him in. He, he works uh, in the tech industry now and, and has a you know very good technical skill set and again, a love of the game of hockey. So to find these people, uh, again, with a high level of technical expertise combined with 
knowledge of hockey and working with coaches and, and Cole's case playing the game, I, I think it's just tremendous. They're, they're great hires. So I know Ian's still looking to add to our staff and, and uh, you know, our goal is to, uh, you know, to be best in class, to be top and, you know, no different than our player development program, which we've worked on, our, our strength program, adding Danny Briere to our management staff, uh, adding Alan McCauley and, and promoting Tom Minton. And, and now with the addition of Katie and Cole, like we're, you know, very fortunate. Dave Scott is at times I feel like he's given me an unlimited budget and I'm trying to, trying to go by it, trying to exceed it. But uh, we've been able to add some great people. We have a great staff and uh, we have opportunities here to get better with the people we have. I feel very confident that we'll, we'll find some good solutions. And the other question was, and this may be better directed to bring, but just in general terms, there's a number of uh, flyers prospects that are excelling in the juniors or seniors. So there are decisions coming up for, for some of those guys. Are you, um, you know, I guess you say communication with those guys, but are you confident of getting several of them signed or kind of where is that? At? Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, you know, again, they're, they're playing. So out of respect to their, their collegiate programs, I don't know that I want to uh, stir the pot and muddy the waters too much, but you know, look, I mean, we're having a tough season. I mean, this is the land of opportunity right now. So I think we're, we're looking for talent. We're looking for high-end skill. A young man like Bobby Brinks, uh, top scorer in the NCAA. Ronnie Adderd's one of the top defensemen in the NCAA. Noah Cates scored a goal in the Olympics yesterday. Fedotov, the Russian goalie, said back-to-back shutouts. Uh, you know, we Denoye had four goals the other night. All, all these kids are, are are knocking on the door and and, and are more than ready to start their their professional experience with the Flyers. And we're, we're looking forward to that infusion of, of talent as well as what we hope to add here in the next few months. Maybe a few more. I know what you do have your interim coaching situation now, but when, when do you start your permanent coaching search and who do you plan on involving in that process? You know, we'll, we'll get to the end of the season and, and uh, I, I've been, I've been obviously, uh, working with Mike and the coaching staff now. And, and uh, you know, I, I certainly think about this all the time, but at, at the end of the season, uh, you know, we'll sit down and, and look at every department and, and look to make the changes we want to make. And, you know, when we have more time and right now it's uh, still a lot of hockey to be played and, and a lot of uh, issues that we're going to have to deal with in the next few months, uh, whether it's injuries, whether it's uh, the trade deadline, whether it's signing some of our, our, uh, our top prospects, uh, whether it's college free agency, whether it's preparing for the draft. So there's a lot of things and, you know, certainly at the right time, that'll, that'll become a priority. Chuck, with the trade deadline, I know you're talking to GMs constantly and consistently, but when does the discussion and the dialogue really pick up? It's, it started um, really about the last week. Teams typically have their pro scouting meetings either late January through to mid-February. Uh, for example, all our pro scouts are coming in next week. We're going to have five days of meetings uh, to get organized for, for the next couple months. Uh, some teams have just finished. Some teams are just starting. So usually coming out of those meetings, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the level of communication increases, and that's what we're starting to see. All right, one more question, and it comes from Porkchop5513. He says, does this opening of cap space with Couturier going on uh, the injured reserve and potentially with Ellis heading there to create the potential for the Flyers to take on some salaries at the trade deadline with increased assets. Yeah, it does. It actually does open up their ability 
to take salary from a team that they're making a deadline deal with. So, and when you do that, there's obviously a price to pay for cap space, provided that cap space is most likely going to be in a situation where it's expiring as well. You don't want to take on cap space for players that you don't see in your future and have term, because that's just subbing one problem for another. So, uh, but yeah, if it's an expiring cap space, then yes, they couldn't take on some players with cap uh, that potentially have long-term fit as well with opening up some of that cap space. All right, let's get to Chuck Fletcher. He addressed the media yesterday on Sean Couturier and a number of topics, and here's what he had to say. Chuck Fletcher addressing the media yesterday at the Flyers Skate Zone. Flyers back in action today at noon against the Detroit Red Wings. They look to avenge that 6-3 loss the other night at Wells Fargo. We'll break it down tomorrow on another brand new episode of Flyers Daily. Have a great Saturday, everybody.